0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Tyler Tischler, Associate Editor for Reader Views.
1: And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's September 4th, 2008, and welcome to episode number 69 in our series. Tonight's topic is Publicity for Pennies, and our special guest who will be joining us this hour is Alice Atchison. You can learn more about all our guests on the Authors Access website, which is AuthorsAccess.com. Please send us your questions and comments to info at AuthorsAccess.com. Now, tonight we're on the line with Alice B. Atchison, an independent marketing and publishing specialist since 1981. She draws on decades of experience in the publishing field, including roles as editor and publicist, working with large and small publishers negotiating book contracts, selling subsidiary rights, and editing and publicizing books to guide you in making crucial decisions. Four recipients of her publicity prowess have appeared simultaneously on the New York Times bestseller list. She is particularly proud of her efforts for Old Turtle by Doug Wood, the author's first book from a publisher who had never published a children's book before, and never nationally marketed any of their books, yet it won the American Booksellers Association Book of the Year and sold 800,000 copies prior to its sale to Scholastic. For her efforts, Alice was given the Literary Marketplace Outside Services Award for Advertising, Promotion, and Publicity. Wow, that's quite a resume, Alice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
0: Alice, I'm I'm thrilled to have you here, and I know we've got lots of listeners who really wonder about how to get the best publicity and how much money to spend on publicity. And we hear, you know, really some horror stories about people that pay a fortune for publicity and really get no results. So I'm really excited to have you here, and, you know, 800,000 copies sold. Wow, that's just amazing. Yeah, so, that really um, was. So to start out, will you just tell us really... Um, Since our topic is publicity that only costs pennies, is there really publicity that only costs pennies, or how how do you get the most effective and most affordable type of publicity?
2: Some activities actually cost nothing, but that's after you have invested your own time and creativity, which of course costs money. So, you know, like the, the wonderful cartoon plan ahead, and the word ahead falls off the page. Well, if you do plan ahead, then you are much more effective and you don't uh, duplicate efforts or you don't uh, find that you're behind a deadline and so forth and so on. So uh, we can indeed talk about some of those uh, publicity functions that cost nothing as well as some that you know do take a little bit of the filthy lucre.
0: Well, where does a where does an author get started, and how like how soon does a person get started? Is it before the book is launched, while the book is still a manuscript, and uh, you know what's the what's the first thing that you suggest that somebody does?
2: I suggest creating a marketing folder the minute you write the first word. Now, of course, you can't market the word "the," but mm-hmm. what I mean is you should be wearing your publicity hat every single day and paying attention to what's going on in the world around you. For example, you see a cover that you think is particularly eye-appealing or uh, one that you really don't like, or there's an interesting use of type, or there's an interesting use of, of illustration and type, and you put it in your folder. Maybe you would find the name of an author who has written a similar book or has written a book that would be, counter to your book you put it in the file eventually of course you have to open up that file and pay attention to those pieces of paper but you will find gems in there I do it for every single one of my clients and sometimes you say oh yes it was just this wonderful sentence or this wonderful idea or an organization that might be helpful so that's something that all authors can do the minute they start you have a general idea about your book it may not all be fleshed out etc but you have a general idea and of course some of those ideas that you put in your marketing folder you're just going to throw them out and put them in the trash can you'll think what in the world was i thinking that day but there will be excellent ideas in there the other thing that i really really very enthusiastic about is the author questionnaire and normally an author does not even see this or doesn't even know that there is such a thing and doesn't see it until they have received their publishing contract. But if they fill it out ahead of time, like right now, they will see what kinds of things the publisher is looking for, what kind of information they want from the author, and some of that information can be incorporated into the cover letter when they send off their marketing proposal. Now, since you don't normally see it until it comes from the publisher, if the listeners will email me and write author questionnaire in the subject line, I will send them my form. Now, it may be slightly different from the publishers with whom they finally go because each one has their own way of doing it, but generally it will be the same. So my email is b for books. A for Atchison at AOL.com, B A at AOL.com, and write author questionnaire in the subject line because obviously I'm not going to recognize these email addresses and I don't want to delete them in error. So that's how you get started.
0: Well, thanks, Alice. That's a wonderful offer. I know that our um, a lot of our listeners are going to take you up on that. So I'll I'll just repeat that if they email you at alice b a at aol you will send them that author questionnaire and just put author questionnaire in the subject line. And um, with all your Background in publicity I mean you really you really know what the what the publishers are looking for, um, but yes. my my question also my next question that leads me to is what if um, a lot of our listeners are self published authors and trying to you know do this on their own on a small budget so what kind of advice would you have specifically for self published authors and and can you tell us a little bit about what are some of those? publicity ideas that really do cost nothing, that maybe these self published authors who've already spent, you know, a few thousand to get their books published and maybe even didn't even think about the fact that they'd need to save some money for their marketing campaign. Right. Um, <laughs> that always seems to be the last the last right. we, we remember. What were oh, yeah. ideas for they them? call
2: me and they say the books gonna be off the press next week. What can you do? <laughs> and there's not much you can do right then. But anyhow uh, okay, so if they're a self-published uh, author, the I think the most crucial thing is to arrange for that book to be available in bookstores. Uh, now, of course, some self, self-help self topics, you can just do a lot of talking to organizations and you can bypass the bookstores. But if it is truly a self-published book and not a, a print-on-demand book, uh, you can go to the There are both national wholesalers and regional wholesalers. The two national wholesalers are Baker and Taylor and Ingram. Now, Baker and Taylor will most likely accept all of those self-published authors because uh, traditionally they were a wholesaler for libraries, so they're interested in knowing about all the books that are published in the United States. Ingram is much more fussy, and they make you jump through a lot of hoops, so maybe they won't that won't be a possibility. But Baker and Taylor most likely will. And then there are regional distributors. Here in the Pacific Northwest, Partners West is an excellent, excellent wholesaler. In the East, it's bookazine and so forth and so on. I mean there's just a plethora of them. They go the self publisher should go to literary marketplace in the library because it costs a lot of money to buy it. In the library and look for wholesalers and distributors. Now the one problem is that the, a lot of the wholesalers have the word distributor in them and they are not distributors. To be a distributor means that they have hired sales reps that go into the stores and actually you know, pitch the book. Mm-hmm. But a wholesaler will just keep your books on the shelf. So you have to be very specific to make sure that it is a wholesaler because generally a distributor will not take a one book publisher. It's just too much education, paperwork, etc., for them to do that. So that answers the first question. For the so, And what they should do is send a preliminary copy with enough time for them to
0: consider
2: it before it's actually published. This is the biggest error that, that self-publishers do. They don't allow themselves enough time. A traditional publisher will take a year to publish a book, and these days the big guys are doing two years um, before the book actually comes out. So give yourself plenty of time so that you don't miss deadlines, um, et cetera. The second part of your question was some publicity ideas that cost nothing. Well, the best one is the human voice. That is the greatest marketing tool of all. It, I took that from a book called The Anatomy of Buzz by Emmanuel Rosen, which was published in 2001 by Doubleday. Um, just think about all the places you could be talking about your book, at your work, at your church, uh, your college, reunions, um, just a plethora of places, and you never know who you're talking to. I could, you know, spend the whole interview talking about instances where somebody was in the bookstore and said, uh, "Gee, I have this book on birch trees," because I'm looking at a birch tree out my window, looking at uh, a book on birch trees, and somebody says, "Oh, I know just the perfect publisher for you," or something like that." So you need to really practice again, at the very beginning of the writing process, you need to practice your 30-second verbal pitch, which is very different from a written pitch. Then we can go on and talk about some really uh, things that don't cost a single penny. Should we talk about that?
1: Please go ahead. (laughs) All right. You have the floor.
2: (laughs) All righty. (laughs) Well, um, a wonderful author that I've worked with, Jenny Shortridge, uh, really has done a wonderful job of Talking to her uh, readers via her website, and one time I don't remember when this was. It was years ago, you know, two years ago, whatever. Oh, it was September the twelfth, two thousand five. She wrote them a nice letter, and she said, you know, this is what's been happening with the book and my, my first book and my second book and so forth. And here's what you can do to help me. All she had to do was write this one email. And her readers are so faithful, they did it. And so, for example, she said, ask for the book at your local bookstores or at other bookstores while traveling. And she added the point, don't worry, you don't have to buy every copy. It's okay to put it back. So get your fans to go into the bookstores and ask for it or go into the local libraries. Again, you know, they, they don't know about every single book. So you can be their spokesperson. Um, tell your friends about the book. Tell your neighbors about the book. Tell anyone who is breathing about the book. Um, and then you, some might even just forward her a, a newsletter saying uh, what could be done. Then, there's of course, there's this Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com, and both of them allow the uh, subscribers to write a review. So get your friends to write a review. It's particularly crucial at the beginning of a book's short life, Um, you know, within the first six or eight weeks really. You could suggest a book to those you know in book groups. Uh, Let's see. You could also see see a review or mention of the book in your local media and tell the author. It's very important for the author to know where their book is being Reviewed because then they could tell the local bookstores, etc. So that would be helping out the author. And Jenny was delighted because one of her friends said they saw a stack of her book at Target, and she didn't even know that it was going to be there. So of course she then immediately sent out another newsletter to everybody saying, "Hey, it's in the Target's breakout books." And finally, this is sort of a zero. Um, she tells her her readers that if you would like some postcards to give the interested people, let her know. Now, of course, Jenny has to pay for those postcards unless her publisher is being very generous. So that does cost her some money. But, you know, so there's, I don't know, how many things that can be done that don't cost a single penny.
1: Yeah, that's a a rich source of ideas. Uh, One thing I often do is, is make a business card with the cover of the book on the front. And the author yes. contact info in the back.
2: Yes. Or you if you uh, planned it ahead of time, you could even make, depending on the cover, of course, sometimes if you make it so small you can't see <laughs> anything. Yeah. Uh, but you could, some covers you could reduce and then put the author information at the bottom, which would save you the uh, double printing because the front and the back cost you like, double the amount of money.
1: Oh, um, of course.
2: But I do have uh, this is what I call my Alice B. and Xerox test particularly <laughs> for those self-publishers anything you design whether it's a, a piece of stationery, whether it is a cover, please go to the worst Xerox machine in town and make a copy and if you can't see the, your name and the title then you have to start all over again. For example Red and Black the Xerox machine thinks it's all black, and so you wouldn't have any contrast at all. Um, and then you also have to think about th- where you see these covers reproduced, and sometimes they're just like an inch wide by an inch and a quarter long. And if, if you reduce yours, can you still see your name? Can you still read the, the name of the, cover, uh, the book?
1: Right. There's something I read about called the 15-foot test that... Can you read the title from fifteen feet away?
2: <laughs> That's good. I may steal that. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh,
1: of course, you know everybody who starts out tells me that they're going to be on Oprah, but really, oh yes,
2: <laughs> gosh, I've never heard that. <laughs> no one ever
1: asked you about that. Uh, I think that the talk radio is it should be an easy way to get started, but uh, I haven't found any any really good. Uh, databases for that that are, are cheap. Do you have uh-huh. any advice yes, on how to get on? I
2: do. Unfortunately this interview is being done while I can twirl around and look at my computer. Okay. So I will pull up the information in a moment. It is called Radio T V Interview Report. Oh. And um, it's like a catalog and you buy a half a page in the catalog, and a half a page costs $877, and they send out, and so they help you with the pitch, and they they put a picture of you or cover of your book, and uh, it goes out, I can't say it goes out every month or every other week, because some seasons, such as in the fall, it's more constant than others, but... um, it is, I'm trying to look for that, it goes to 4,700 talk show producers and hosts. And oh. then it gets regurgitated in a different format and is sent to a 1,000 newspaper feature editors and columnists. So it's well worth the money. Now, this, is, this works if you have a nonfiction book, like 30 Days to Thinner Size. Right. And then it works. It doesn't work for novels. Usually it doesn't work for novels. Uh, children's books are not very good. Poetry, I'm sorry for the poets who may be listening, it doesn't work for them. Uh, but for nonfiction books, yes. The only caveat: these are very. Oh, here's the um, the URL is uh, or the website is www. r t i r. dot com. Uh, Rtir. dot com, and the 800 number is. Uh, 989-1400, nine, nine, one, extension 104. And they're very reputable. There are other agencies that do the same thing that I don't recommend. However, the only thing I do warn, you know, the only caveat is that you, whatever they come up with as an idea, you have to be able to take control of the interview at the very beginning. A perfect example is one of my clients had already signed up with these people before he came to me, and uh, he was getting hour-long nationwide interviews, and he was so excited, of course, but he didn't see any increase in sales, and I said, well, let me see the piece of paper that created all this demand, hmm. and you probably will remember it because it was, it was many years ago, but it was the dream team for the Olympics the Basketball Dream Team, and the question was, should they be professional or amateurs? So this guy was talking ad nauseum about, you know, whether he thought it should be professional or or amateurs. His books were on the basics of basketball, Mm. how to dribble, how to pass, how to free throw. (laughs) And what he should have done in the very first question was say, it's not a matter whether they should be professionals or Amateurs, but why Shaq O'Neal, and of course Shaq O'Neal wasn't playing then, but that doesn't matter. It makes sure. a story. Why Shaq <laughs> O'Neal only gets 25% from the free throw line, and then <laughs> he would launch into what he wants to say. So that's the only caveat. You don't have to take what they suggest, but, uh, you know, they've been doing this for years, so they're pretty good at it. Right. So there's, there's your radio TV interview report, which is what RTIR Stands for.
1: Okay, Alf. How about speaker bureaus? Is there any a particular way to approach a speaker's bureau? Do you have to have a good resume? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. The, the problem is, I you know, again, if I turned around looked at my computer, I could tell you lots of names. But they say, "Do you know who Henry Kissinger is?" And I say, "Yes." They say, "Do you know who Barack Obama is?" And I say, "Yes." Now, Sarah Palin, they may not have yet, but you know they want the celebrities, the big names, and so Joe Smith, the author, is not very uh, acceptable right um, I, I've just not been I know of two uh, well, one has just died, but two publicists who then went out and created speakers' bureaus, supposedly for authors, and guess what they found. They had to go to the celebrities in order to pay their bills so i i can't i can 't help you there
1: no, well, I appreciate that's sound advice <laughs> okay, uh, Tyler, over to you
0: well, first, I want to follow up on that question um, alice what so you're you 're basically not really recommending speaker bureaus. What other kinds of publicity things do you know that people have tried in the past? And it really has failed that you would just advise them to stay away from to start out with.
2: Going to Oprah first. <laughs> the reason it doesn't work is that they haven't even practiced their pitch. They go- they think, you know, they love this book and they think that she's going to love it. Well, to go to Oprah, you have to have, you have to suggest other authors that would be, uh, or, or people who would be appropriate on the program, uh, you have to be able to donate, I think it's about 350 books so that everybody in the audience gets one. There are just lots and I mean, it takes hours to put together a program like that. And usually the author is not trained. And usually the Oprah show is going to want a, a video of them on another interview show, a local show. So you really do need to start locally. Indeed, that is one of the principles of publicity is begin locally and then branch out nationally. If you imagine a pebble dropping into a pond, the biggest impact is right where the pebble hit. Well, the biggest impact for your book is going to be you, your friends, family, your friends, your neighbors, your town, and you just keep on growing out. So... I really don't recommend that you try to only do the national. It's not going to work. And then there's other people who have spent literally a million dollars on on whatever, and it hasn't worked. If if it, if the book is not acceptable to the public, put any kind of money in it, it's not going to work.
0: That is a good lead into my next question because you, I mean you really said that um, you can't start out with Oprah. You have to start locally and. I know a lot of authors who they write the book, they think the job is done. Somebody asks them, <laughs> "Will you come and speak? Will you do a book signing?" And they just want to hide at home. And so, right. And I, even I myself, when I published my first book, I got asked to talk a couple places, and I realized I wasn't doing a very good job of it. So, how how do you get that that media training experience? And and does a does a publicist like yourself is help with that or is there some other avenue that a person goes to to get media ready?
2: Uh, I would think that all publicists would be able to help out some uh, for example I send my clients a four page uh, four pages of suggestion going from what to wear you know like women shouldn't have long dangling earrings because the, the light of the TV camera will catch them and they paying attention to the earrings rather than what they're saying things like that to you know how to to, and the publishers will help them with the the most salient points in the book and what will be most acceptable to the market. Um, but there are also what they call media coaches all over the United States. There are people who are trained, and some of them uh, put you literally on, in front of a TV camera so that you can see that you're twirling your hair when you you know, which is not particularly good, or you can see that. You're not looking the interviewer in the eye or whatever. Um, so if if you really need help, uh, even with the voice, lowering the voice or being more articulate or whatever, these media coaches uh, are professionals. I mean, that's all they do is, is train people how to talk, how to, you know, I mean, for example, Sarah Palin and the news about her daughter. How to talk about that in the most acceptable way. Hmm. So, that would be a media coach.
0: Okay. And and you had talked before about um, like with radio interviews, they work really well for nonfiction books. Right. And I'm I'm wondering. I I have I myself I write novels and I keep looking for more information about how to market your books and everything yeah. I read is is geared towards. Yeah, <laughs> um, marketing nonfiction. So do right you because have any... it's
2: easier. Right, <laughs> and it's it easy to easier. write a book about how to how to market nonfiction. Yes, novels are difficult. The, I did have uh, two. I've had two that I can remember novelists on that RTIR. One was uh, Anne Waltham, who wrote *Time for Treason*. It was a novel of pre-American Revolution times. And so the question was, is there a time for treason? Is there a time when citizens should indeed be treasonous? And it it went perfectly into the book, and she had lots of interviews, and she saw that this, there were sales as a result and so forth. Um, the other was a book by Larry Sager entitled, I love this title, No Guns, No Knives, No Personal Checks, Tales of a San Francisco Cab Driver. So... It had nonfiction elements mm-hmm. to it, and he had lots of pickup. So, if you can find a nonfiction topic within the novel that will indeed relate to the novel, and people won't be disappointed to find out that the book is a novel. A um, long time ago, I did a book, um, oh gosh, I forget the title. Uh, oh, The Money, Honey. Like in the expression, if you've got the time, if you've got the money, honey, I've got the time. And it was a book about uh, how uh, she had won the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes and it was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. She didn't want to waste the money, and so she really she tried the stock market and she tried a goat farm, if I can remember, and so forth. And the bottom line was, uh, you know. <laughs> She just wasted the money away. She said <laughs> she would have been better just buying a, a sable coat and a maserati and letting it go with that. Um, so we could have talked about windfalls because windfalls can be good and windfalls could be bad. but you know that was, what good would that have done for the book really? So you have to really connect it and for for novelists, the most 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 important. Is to get the book reviewed, and for that, I really think you have to have a book publisher, somebody who has the credentials with these book editors. And sadly, these days there's less and less. I mean, the Atlanta Constitution just just fired their their book editor, and the San Francisco Chronicle much smaller, and the L.A. Times is much smaller, et cetera, et cetera. So there are. Fewer venues, but I really think it, it, it takes a publicist who knows these people and knows what they like and, and say, now, John, I know you didn't like so-and-so, but I think you're really going to like this book because... And, of course, going to bookstores and having events. Wonderful.
0: Yeah, here at Reader Views, we, defin- we do book reviews online, and we realize that that's becoming the trend, that the print media, they don't do uh, book reviews like they used to anymore.
2: no. No. gone are the
0: days. All right, well, I'll turn it back over to you, Victor.
1: Uh, thank you. I had a couple of uh, uh, follow-up questions. Mailings to libraries or bookstores, worthwhile or a waste of money?
2: <laughs> I would say that, again, with my idea of begin locally and then branch out nationally, let's say you're an author up here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh-huh. Uh, it does not cost you a great deal of money to join the Pacific Northwest Booksellers Association, or if you're in California, the Northern California Independent Booksellers Association, or the Southern California. They're all over the country. Uh, Again, you can find the the contact names in Literary Marketplace, which we call LMP. Um, And these uh, regional bookseller associations for your membership you receive a list of the bookstores in your area, you know, within whatever area the, the association covers. And these are going to be the people who are going to be your, your first champion. So sending them postcards or flyers or whatever, I think is, is really very valid. You will know that those lists are up to date and so forth. You can also buy a list from the American Booksellers Association. Uh, That's obviously going to be more expensive because it's the entire country. And that would not be the Barnes and Nobles and the Borders and so forth. Uh, But for independent self-publishers, I think that's the way to go. And then also talking about those bookseller associations, in the fall, they all have what they call a trade show. And at that trade show, they have booths. Now, if you go to the book convention at the end of May or the middle of May or whenever they have it each year, then some of the booths become very elaborate. Random House, Putnam, HarperCollins, etc. But at these trade shows everybody just has a table. Now granted, Random House is going to have more titles to display whereas some of the self-publishers we talked about at the beginning will only have one. But truly The booksellers in your area are interested in knowing about you. And so you sit there at your table with your books there and you talk to the people who come by.
0: Now, obviously, there are ways
2: to to make your table look spiffier, et cetera, and and things that you can hand out or send to them later and so forth. But just generally, um, have a table at these trade shows. They you also as an exhibitor have the opportunity to have an autographing now sometimes they have such a demand not everybody is chosen but you know if you get your request in early enough you probably can so therefore you you know you sit there at a table and there's a line of booksellers in front of you who are asking for a free copy of your book yes that's 50 copies of the book but Those 50 books are eventually going to go to somebody who really wants to read your book. Um, And some people have the opportunity to address the entire assemblage, which is quite wonderful, but obviously not everybody gets chosen for that. So I'm a big proponent of independent bookstores, and this is the way to approach them. Yeah,
1: those are some some great ideas. Uh, Here in Ann Arbor, we have two uh, area book fairs and I know a lot of uh, states have statewide book fairs and and so on
2: Is Shaman Drum still a? Uh, oh there? yeah <laughs> I know and I tried to find them oh maybe a month ago and every contact I had was you know the number was uh, disconnected and so forth and so on um, one of you guys if you would send me that information I'd really like it <laughs>
1: Yeah, we have a couple of major independent stores. Shaman Drum and Crazy Wisdom are, yeah. are both big here. I think yeah. Shaman Drum actually went nonprofit, but I don't know for sure. You've just been a, a great source of information. Do you have any any closing advice that you like to offer to authors before we finish up? Yes,
2: this I do, <laughs> and that would be when you get an offer from a publisher, you should emulate what Gene Al did. When we published The Clan of the k Bear, I was her publicist. Oh. And um, it, when she came, she brought the final edited manuscript to the office, and we said, you know, there is the post office. She mm-hmm. said, I'm going to be working with you for a year, and I want to know, you know, whether you're tall, short, fat, skinny, and how do you work? Do you want me to call you? Do you want me to email? Well, in those days we didn't have email. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to fax? Do you want me to write a letter? And we assured her that we were very eager for her ideas if she realized that we could not maybe uh, support every idea she gave us because it would be too expensive or we didn't have the expertise or we didn't have the resources or whatever. And some of those suggestions she gave us, if I had another five minutes, I could tell you some wonderful examples, but some of those were truly why it became such a phenomenal bestseller. Because, yes, it was a great book, but there were other things that happened that gave us the ammunition that we
1: needed. Great. That's wonderful. All right, so if our listeners want to get a hold of you again, your email address is uh, aliceba.aol.com. Is that right? Yes. That is correct. Okay. Well, on behalf of Tyler and Irene, who couldn't make it for the call, I want to thank you again for being on our show.
2: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.
1: Great. All right. You've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back on the air September 18th, 2008, when our topic will be, What Can a Publishers Association Do for You? And our guest who will be joining us is Tyler Tischler. You can learn more about all our guests on the Authors Access website, which is AuthorsAccess.com. We would love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at AuthorsAccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated
0: and Loving Healing Press. For Reader Views, this is Tyler Tischler in Marquette, Michigan.
1: For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan wishing you all a good evening.